tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed, and a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to Tinfoil Hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Are you ready to get your mind blown? Revolution will be podcast. It will be podcast. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday the 13th. Thank you so much for tuning in to a very special bonus episode dropping for you all because you got you guys, you know, we're all about we're all about that action, dog. We're all about that action. You know who I am, you know what I'm here to do. Joining me as always is my man, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only XG in the place to be, Xavier Guerrero. What's up? Full action. Full, a- oh, Full action. Oh, about action. Guys, it. it's Friday 13th, which means we are going to be tonight at Cobbs in San Francisco, dude. Bam! I'm telling you, man, come out because it's going to be my murder. We're packing it out. It's uh, one of our favorite places to play. Uh, I think this is going to be the biggest club you've ever played. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's going to be the biggest San Francisco's club. great. going to kill it. That's an interesting town because San Francisco is literally the only town where you have to make at least 100K just to be homeless. <laughs> so we got, we got that. The next week, bam, we are in Austin, Texas. We are at the stateside at Paramount, Austin, Texas. It is the Tinfall Hat, Texas Comedy Massacre Part 2, okay, because the first... You'll, everyone loved the first one. We got a sequel coming. And you never know who's going to jump in on that stuff, okay? You don't know who from Austin might show up and join us in the, uh, in the, the Q&A at the end. And then after that, we got, we have... Uh, October 4th, the New Grand York C. City. That's right. Escape to New York. We're coming, yeah. dude. Myself, XG, Eddie Bravo, and joining us from the Electric Kool-Aid podcast, everyone's famous... famous favorite female conspiracy theorist that's right lauren petrie will join us there as well then we have a big announcement october 22nd the Tim Foyle hat show will be live in the main room it's that's right it's once upon a time in the main room we'll be live at the comedy store october 22nd this show will sell out myself eddie bravo xg and i'm trying to get some heavy hitters Tim Dillon, I'm going to see if he's available. And I have some other names he in the uh, truth the, community. He took him off timeout? Yeah, he's still on timeout. He's still on timeout? He's still on timeout. But those dates will be available at samtriplee.com. So, and then we got the Patreon is rocking. That's killing it. The children love it. It's entertainment for the children. And then we have... Uh, then we have Patreon. That's crushing. We have t-shirts available. Go to tinfallhattshirts.com. Grab your shirts. Uh, that's a great way to support the show. What else do we got? That's hey, it. That's We're it. Done. That's it. Look quick. At that. Look at that. God, don't get used to that, everybody. They will always be that quick. It's only on these bonus episodes that we have this uh, coming out. Uh, 
Man, I'm super excited about this uh, this episode. The people have been demanding it, and this show is for the people, by the people, okay? And when you demand a guest on, we do our best to get them on. After, uh, uh, you know, she's a busy, everybody wants a piece of her because she's a, one of the best reporters, best investigators out here. You can find all of her work on my new favorite uh place to go for news you always want to know where you go for news you got like who who's being us who's doing great you know where i find out who's doing the great stuff americans abroad that's who i trust people are like you know what i'm dropping them truth bombs i'm all about that action i gotta get out of america so i can drop some truth so joining us by popular demand you want her i got her please welcome the powerful the unstoppable the one the only whitney webb how are you whitney Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Well, no, thank you for coming on. We've uh, uh, we uh, we've been trying to get you on. You're a super busy person, so the fact that you would uh, make time to come on our little conspiracy dick joke podcast uh, means the world <laughs> to us. You are. We're not going to give your location because we know the lizard people are watching, and you got to keep moving. <laughs> That's uh, cool. But so basically, where you are, you decide you went to college, and then you said, "I'm just going to stay out here." Yeah, uh, I pretty much was really disillusioned with stuff going on. Uh, well, I went to a really conservative liberal arts school. Um, I got a free ride. That's, so that's a why weird I went. thing. That's and, a weird um, thing. Liberal. I did not get along with people mainly because of uh, I was really outspoken about U.S. empire and 9-11 truth, which are really easy ways to get you pretty isolated at a small conservative school. So, uh, yeah, I got kind of disillusioned with everything and said, you know what, I'm just going to go live in uh, South America uh, and work there, see what I want to do. And I ended up moving down to, to Chile uh, at some point. Um, so, I just gave away my, my location. I swear. <laughs> 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 ha, ha. No, she's at Chili's Baby Back Ribs. She is a waitress. <laughs> yeah. and that's in Bakersfield, right. everybody. Okay. She's not in the country. She's working at, because she used to work at Cheesecake Factory, but they closed that down. <laughs> um, so my yeah. question is, real quick, you li- you you were at a conservative liberal college how does that yeah, work? I, I got a i got a free ride to go to davidson college it's called which is liberal arts school in, in north carolina it's uh it's conservative yeah conservatism is interesting to me in america because you know I, I, five years ago people were saying i don't ever see a republican president ever being elected again that was the narrative uh there was this whole thing they kept trying to do comedy shows conservatives couldn't make comedy that was a running joke here fast forward to where we are today uh, the dnc is losing their skull on fire right they're all about <laughs> their their whole platform is take take away your guns take away your take away your money through taxes take away your free speech and expression by censoring the internet now i know free speech involves the government but this is all tiny tiny incremental steps to eventually get there You're like yeah what's wrong with the government telling me what i can and cannot do and locking me up if they don't agree with it so that's where that's where we are now. That's where we are now, and it just seems like at some point, the conservative party, the Republicans, who I, it's really crazy how actually people just think the DNC commits uh, treasonous acts and Democrats commit treasonous acts when they don't even remember nine. I'm so happy, and this is a weird statement to make. I'm so happy nine eleven just passed because. You know, it opened people's eye to this group of neocons. And the more and more I study, I realize there were also a lot of Democrats involved in it. But 
you know, Zionist Democrats, but it's kind of weird that like the 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 the, the conservative party seems to have moved away from the religious cuckoo-ness and now we have this kind of um like I don't want to, I, I don't know it's like um progressive uh social justice warrior madness that's in just infecting the left. Uh what's your thoughts on that whole paradigm right now how there's cuz I think filth won the cultural war. And now it's like I go to red states and red states are basically like, hey, don't tax us. Don't take our guns. And by the way, we're all swingers. Everybody swings. <laughs> well, honestly, I think uh, I, I just think both parties are, are the same shit, really. I don't really see any difference uh, between them. So like the DNC is super corrupt, but the RNC is super corrupt. I mean, For like sure. they stole the nomination from Ron Paul uh, in 2012. And then, you know, you have... Um, the DNC stealing it from from Bernie last time, and now they're they're screwing over Tulsi Gabbard. I mean, this is what they do. They try and keep anyone on either party that that you know might wake people up a little bit or might actually do some good, and they and they do whatever they can to keep them uh, from going forward. And it's all just controlled opposition. And it, it uh, I think both parties are crap. And I think um, I'm really disillusioned with electoral politics in general because I think people focus in the states anyway focus so much on the presidential election looking for like a savior figure you know like oh as long as we elect this one guy he's gonna fix all this stuff and like uh no the cia will just shoot him yeah. <laughs> you know or like something like yeah. that will happen i mean it's a, it's a systemic thing and, it, and it's so out of control this mess has been going on for so long that for everyone to put all their faith in one dude just based on what he says in public you know or or like he's the lesser of two evils and he's gonna fix fix everything i think is just uh you know, crap, because people thought that with Obama on the left and like what Obama did, the same crap. And like Trump was the same deal for people on the right. Oh, he's going to tell us who did 9-11. He's going to tell us, you know, uh, all this other stuff. He's going to drain the swamp. And, and, you know, the Trump administration right now is like extremist Zionist stuff like Kushner and David Freeman and, and neocons everywhere. I mean, it's like it's like Bush 2.0, but he can like still he he he, he like you know, writes offensive tweets. That's like the only difference to me, honestly. Can I celebrate John Bolton being gone or is this just whack-a-mole yeah. or another one? Because I mean, <laughs> but, like you know, the left I, I, oh, will sorry. not sell the left. Listen, I, here's my whole thing. I, I, I question every president all the time. I root for them. I think it's like, God, please do be right. Do the right thing. I, in that sense, I root that. I'm, I have no, I'm not, I don't have any illusions that might actually happen. I just kind of have hope because I live in this country. Uh, right. But when John Bolton get, I, I know he hires him. I'm like, fuck, why are you hiring this dude? And then I see him fire him and I go, we can hate him on all this other stuff because I hate the selling of the, of the arms to uh, Saudi Arabia for the guy that was so affected by 9-11 to sell them to the arms to people. Did you who see the video that he says that he was there helping out? Well, no, he was there. He was. People said that they never saw him there. Who? Trump. At well, during the, you know, during I, we the, could sit there and be like, "This is." I mean, I'm not going to sit there and go, "Oh, Trump doesn't lie about shit." Yeah, he, but then know. what I'm trying to say is, you're right. Why would you give them fucking the when you completely saw it? There's a difference between yeah. watching it on TV like I did, and you he was there, and then he gives them arms. Then he gives them arm, and then vetoes these two things. Vetoes Bill stopping giving them arms, but. Can we celebrate at least he gets rid of uh, of John Bolton when 
He was trying to negotiate with what we're being told is negotiate with the Taliban to withdraw. And then miraculously, the Taliban who wants us gone suddenly decides they're going to blow up a base because that's what you do when you want somebody to leave is give them a reason to stay. (laughs) Is there can we celebrate that or should we just be like, okay, well, when's the other shoe going to drop? Well, you know, I think it's uh, it's totally cool to celebrate John Bolton being gone. But honestly, I think the reason he was let go was not because of his ideology, but because of how his like personality. He's really known for being really uh, like aggressive and like finger waving in people's faces, you know, and and just being really intense. Basically, a lot of the people that are being um, named for this uh, to be national security advisor now have the same sort of ideology. They're just more mild mannered or they're willing to go. Uh, you know, be more in line with the president and not disagree with him. Uh, so, you know, strongly or emphatically is as John Bolton does uh, or, or did. So like some of the names being thrown out, for example, are, are um, Fred Flitz, who is uh, used to be John Bolton's chief of staff. Oh and he was God. on the National Security Council recently. And uh, he's head of the Center for Security Policy, oh. uh, which is this think tank where the current, actually the, the guy that's the acting national security advisor right now is this guy named Charles Kupperman. Uh, he is basically like John Bolton <laughs> anyway, um, except he's, you know, just a different guy, a... I guess. But he also used to work for the same think tank that's connected to John Bolton and Fred Flitz and all these all these neocons, dude. And uh, it's, it's really like, you know, the... Fred Flitz might actually get hired because he said that he's willing to, you know, back back Trump when he wants something and not disagree with him in public, only voices disagreements in private. And and that Trump apparently likes that. And the day that John Bolton got fired, Fred Flitz tweeted out a picture of him with Trump in the White House being like, I'm ready to protect America oh. on Twitter oh. the same day Bolton's fired. Oh. So, um you know, I don't think you can do any worse than Bolton, but you can definitely tie him because there's there's other Boltons. They may not have mustaches or whatever, but they're all, you know, neocons. Oh. They're still neocons to choose from, you know what I mean? So I hope I hope it's, you know, something changes. But, you know, from what we've seen with Trump so far, it's, you know, the more you expect him to, like, get rid of the neocons and you have, like, that moment of faith, he'll just, like, you know, hire Elliot Abrams. <laughs> like yeah. he did with Venezuela or some shit like that, you know. So let me ask you, do you see... Um... You mentioned like when you were in college and, you know, uh, how U.S. government imperialism was a a big issue for you. That was the exact word you used, but along the lines of that. Um, Is there, do you remember where you were during when 9-11 happened? Yeah, well, I'm not even 30 yet. So I was in sixth grade in gym class. And people were like, (laughs) yeah, but, but people were like, Oh, well, like, like people didn't really know how to react because, you know, when you're like sixth grade, nothing in my lifetime like that had ever happened before. And people didn't really know what to believe. And people's kids uh, took them out of school. I'm actually from uh, the town where George Bush was when he heard about 9-11, Sarasota, Florida. He was at Booker Elementary. Now, uh, have you ever seen that video? That's my hometown. So I was there when Bush was there, I guess. And he got the news and he was so uh, surprised that he kept reading uh, a kid's book about uh, uh, do, do you remember, dude, someone's playing the video yesterday. Like, there's some incredible videos out there breaking down how ridiculous it is to believe the <laughs> official narrative of yeah. planes hitting the building and that's what took it down. But it's like what the kids were chanting before he gets the news, which is something like plane steel hit. Have you heard that? 
No, no. I mean, okay. I mean, I just seen part of the footage. Like I said, like I was in sixth grade, so <laughs> oh. um, if it was circulated at the time, I probably, I probably didn't see it. My parents only watched like Fox News or something. <laughs> <laughs> what do so. they think about you in uh, working at Chili's? <laughs> uh, not thrilled. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it that way. <laughs> so, <laughs> what did now nine eleven pass? What's your take on the whole thing? On 9-11? Yeah. Right. Um, I think it, um, well, it's hard to say exactly the enormity of the situation. It was, um, it was basically, I see it as sort of a, a coup. Um, I think, um, I, I, you know, it's hard to say with any certainty, you know, who did it. Um, but if I had to guess, right, I would say uh, neocons Israel and Saudi intelligence, some mix of all, all three of those being involved. And what was going on um, with that? I think it was it was pre-planned, um, and all the wars that came after were pre-planned. And there is still more of that plan to be rolled out in the future that they are gearing up to do. I I feel like there's going to be another um, you know crisis event, as it were, to sort of push through a lot of the stuff they're trying to uh, push through now, like this sort of pre-crime uh, mass shooter prevention. Oh, uh, plan man. that Trump is dealing with right now. I think we're going to be seeing some some really crazy <sighs> mass shooting or some other crazy event uh, coming up because you know nine eleven was really the beginning of really rolling out this whole um you know this this whole uh, plan I guess of like mass surveillance and and mass control and what we've seen since then is um you know the, the same sort of agenda advance over time and it's still advancing. Um, but the thing about 9-11 truth is that, um, you know, until we understand what really happened that day and we fight against the lies, we can't understand what's happening now. You know, we can't address the issues uh, that, that we're facing today or really fully understand them until we fully understand who did 9-11 and why they did it. And so, you know, generally a lot of people like to focus on the details of like, this is what happened. This is what brought down the towers. This is what hit the Pentagon and all this stuff. But I think what really matters more is who did it and why, because that is more pressing to what's going on uh, right now and how we can get out of this mess. So uh, it's a, it's in, incredible to me how there's people in the conspiracy community who get so angry at other people when they don't see it the exact way they see it. And um, I, right. I 100% believe that the gelatin group uh the uh e what's it called the e group or the e thing uh the e the so whatever they were called they were the israeli art students and the b thing and uh how this explosion at the in the in the in the towers totally fits where they put you know e group or whatever it was e team there was e team (laughs) Fits right there where the lights were for the E team thing. Yeah. So it's like what we have here with debunkers is this whole thing about coincidence. It just was a coincidence. But what we have is every conspiracy totally relies, uh, every debunking of conspiracy relies on this whole group of of coincidences happen. And it's like, how many times can you just go, oh, that's just a coincidence before you're like, okay, here's a pattern. <laughs> right. 
Right. Well, you know, one thing that's crazy about what you mentioned with the, um, you know, the the art students or whatever, that was a nationwide thing, too. That wasn't just going on uh, at the Twin Towers. They were spying really heavily on, on the Drug Enforcement Agency and targeting uh, government facilities around the country. Um, and at that same time, too, there was all this um, really extensive uh, spying by Israel through companies like Amdocs, Converse Infosense, uh, Infosys, which is now Variant and all that stuff, even on the White House. So, you know, this was not it's important to point out that that sort of um, operation that that has been tied to 9-11, the art students. It was also even more extensive even than that during the same period of time, which was really crazy to think about. Another thing, too, about 9-11 specifically is um, is the dancing Israelis, right, who often get glossed over a lot um, with 9-11. And some people, you know, think that they had some sort of connection to, to the art students and all of that because, you know, that there was explosive residue found in the van of the of the dancing Israelis when they were arrested. Why is that? That's kind of weird. And there were, you know, these other stories of this um you know, the, these white vans being seen around the Trade Center during that day, some of them with weird artwork on the side that sort of implied that something was going to happen to the Twin Towers, things like that. Um, and in the dancing Israeli thing, I think is really, you know, it, it's interesting that it, it, it gets so uh, it basically just gets ignored. Because if you look at the, you know, the, the documentation uh, <laughs> of that event, it's really hard to justify uh, the photos that were taken. Uh, by those guys why were they celebrating how did they know that it was going to happen before it happens there's all these questions that that are, are raised by that uh, in the fbi in, in their report when they say you know they have the question did these guys have foreknowledge of what was going to happen did they take pictures before the towers were hit celebrating the, the, the answer is a page and a half long and they redact the whole thing so it's obviously not no, you know and these guys get let go they just get deported back to israel because michael chertoff is the assistant attorney general at the time, and he, you know, was involved in, as was Ashcroft at the time in sending them them back. Ashcroft, after he leaves the public sector, he becomes a lobbyist. His top client, his first top client, is Israel's government. And then Michael Chertoff, Michael Chertoff's mom, works for the Mossad in Operation Magic Carpet. And what no is Operation Magic Carpet? Letting these guys go. The story just got memory hold, dude. Um, and I, I think that. that is really, really telling. And I have a, um, I wrote about the dancing Israelis in May when there was this new Freedom of Information Act request that came out with the pictures and it got republished yesterday. And apparently if you type in dancing Israelis in Google, it's the top hit. And now there's these guys from this, uh, like uh, Israeli SEO Google rank search who are trying to get Mitt platform from Google because our dancing Israeli article is, is number one on the hits. So they're trying to memory hole it again now that it's coming out. And I believe it's, it's, see, here's the whole thing. If you talk to some conspiracy theorists, and I'm not calling you, you're obviously a journalist and you investigate, but you know, us over here who are, uh, you know, stand up comics who dabble in this stuff, uh, you know, it's it, most a lot of conspiracy theorists believe that, you know, the Internet is completely controlled and everything. And uh, I know there's these movements to uh, to really lock it down. But for me, it's blood in the water. I, I really do believe what started out as this way to basically get propaganda out to the people, you know, through astroturfing, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or whatever, YouTube. I, I personally think it got away from them. And if they go after, you know, Mint Press, right, and they get rid of you guys, 
you guys are going to pop up somewhere else. And then there's going to be people mm-hmm. who take everything you do and they put it all over the place. They, they're not going to be able to control it until the point that they have to decide whether the, the, the facade of freedom and the facade of free will is still worth letting this thing operate. And then that is when the rubber hits the road. I think it's gotten away from them. I am. I made the mistake of connecting my my Instagram, my tinfoil Instagram, to my personal Facebook page. And one day I put out about Mossad and nine eleven, and I went back, and every Jewish person in my life just called me an anti Semitic. And I just yeah, like they, I go they do that. Find me where I said one thing anti Jew there, because I my girlfriend's Jewish, her family's Jewish, they go to Israel. I have no problems with Jews. I have problems with intelligence agencies and the st- and yeah. power structures of foreign governments. Okay. Well, so here's here's the thing about intelligence agencies and criticizing Mossad. If you're going to criticize the CIA for doing something horrible, is someone going to take that as you're criticizing all Americans? That doesn't make any sense. So why, or if you're criticizing an intelligence agency of Israel, how are you going to say that represents all Jewish people? Intelligence agencies operate in secrecy. They engage openly. Well, I mean, openly in the sense that like when you're in the organization, it's really they're open about it. But in, in criminal activity, you know, Why? assassinations, drug trafficking, sex trafficking, even arms trafficking, intelligence agencies do all this stuff. They don't represent their people, regular people in any country don't do that stuff. So, you know, what, what I think when people when you bring up actual bad stuff, the Mossad is done and they tell you it's anti-Semitic. They're just trying to prevent you from criticizing Israel. Yeah, or I, criticizing, yeah. you know, who the Mossad, you know, in, their interests are serving, and a lot of times intelligence agencies they serve the interests of corporate interests, not even the government interests. You look at the CIA, for example, some of the governments they overthrew in the in the early days of regime change. You know, they did it for corporations, they did it for United Fruit Company in Guatemala, they did it for Anglo American. They did it over bananas, uh, Iran, right? <laughs> this isn't representative of of the entire collective group of people. So you know, you're. Saying that's anti-Semitic to criticize Mossad. I mean, you're. I just. I, I don't. I don't buy that. I think that's a way of shutting down discussion and not engaging with the information, whether it's out of like an, an emotional reason or because you just don't want to see criticism of, of a particular state. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, like you brought up earlier about overthrowing governance for that we did literally did a coup over bananas because we want to control yeah, bananas, and that's how much we don't give a fuck about life. And the rest yeah, and, of the world. In Chile, the other 9-11, right? So the first 9-11 was the coup in 1973 in Chile that was uh, overthrown, and that was for the copper mines. And that installed Pinochet, who is an insane dictator. Um, and basically, Operation Condor started from that in all of, in several countries in South America. And that was planned by the CIA, that whole uh, method of killing and, and how to kill these people who a lot of them were innocents. They were just accused of being leftists. Not all of them were even leftists. You know what I mean? And that whole plan was drafted by the CIA. And what they did is that they would put people, they would like slit people's stomachs open and throw them out of plane, like helicopters over the ocean. And stuff like that. And they'd murder people in front of their kids and, and just insane stuff. And that's what the CIA did for copper. I'll do it for bananas. I'll do it for copper. You know, it's 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 sick stuff. How, how does this represent the country? You know, it's just it, it, it's crazy to do that. 
So well, you know, we says when you bring up Mossad and 9-11 or Mossad in, in anything, you know, they're just saying, don't touch that. That's what they're saying. And Mossad, to me that says there's something there they don't want people to talk about. They don't want people to see. Mossad, CIA, uh, uh, MI, MI6. They're just right. they're just different oh, names for the same thing, man. They're, the same they're, thing, they're exactly. All and the, the thing, same the thing about not criticizing Mossad, right? It allows you know, MI6 and CIA and Mossad. When you get to the higher levels of all this stuff, they're basically the same thing, like you said. So if you can't criticize Mossad, that gives them so much more leeway to do even worse stuff that the other intelligence agencies couldn't even get away with. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, for sure. And, you know, I don't know, man, maybe I have hope or something that there's this battle between the NSA and maybe I'm just an idiot for thinking that. But I I, I just want to believe that somewhere at the highest levels that not everybody's completely corrupt. And maybe that's how they get those jobs because they are either blackmailed or completely corrupt. But at some point, somebody is like, dude, we're losing this country. We're losing what made this country great. And we, I like, when I see anybody who is either Jewish, Armenian, uh, uh, Chinese, Russia, female, gay, uh, ethnic minority, and they start talking about taking away guns, I go, you need to study your own history. Because if you did, (laughs) you would realize giant genocides happened right after that. Right after guns were mm-hmm. taken away, do not, do not, do not call me anti-Semitic and then tell me that we need to give the government the right to take away our guns because you don't know the histories of Jews in fucking Europe, man, because that's what happened right when the guns went away. They take the guns away and now you got Bernie Sanders going, take away the A-15s. Really, Bernie? AR-15s. Really? The guy who took a knee to Hillary when she kneecapped you. The guy who told us, it's not about the stinking emails. It's all about the emails. And it's all about her leaving people in Benghazi when she fucking helped fund, arm, train ISIS. And then she created an email which went directly to a Chinese shipping company. And we know China's communists and they own everything. You, you're talking about history. It's happening right now. Hong Kong, they got no guns. What's going on? Yeah. They're getting sprayed France, down. Vance, I mean, like all these places that don't have guns. They're going what down. What are they doing? So it's like, hey, it's like, you know, man, I take Krav Maga, okay? That's how you know I'm not <laughs> anti-Semitic, by the way. I go to an Israeli to learn fighting. Why would I go to a guy, if I hate Jews, if he's like, he's been taking Krav Maga since he was four? Or you could I'm like, hey, dude, can you snap my neck for me and I'll pay you for it? Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right? So, so, so uh, what was my point? The point is, dude, is that... Li- I go there and there's these women. And there's a lot of like actresses and, and models there. And first of all, you're like, what are you going to do? You're 120 pounds. What are you going to do if someone attacks you? And then I go, you know what? Any resistance is better than no resistance. And that's how I feel about guns. Everyone's like, you listen to these cucks on, on Twitter and on Facebook. The government, the military is too powerful. We can't do anything. Dude, you can bend over and be a cock if you want. Hey, any resistance is better than no resistance. The 13 colonies, what the fuck did they do? Yeah, for sure. Back to Whitney because I'm just yelling <laughs> at her at this point. Um, you have so... <laughs> no, it, it's, it's totally okay. I mean, I, I, I totally agree. I think there's there's a reason. Um, 
that there's this effort underway to try and, and, and disarm people. And I think a lot of people on the left uh, assume that the government doesn't have this elaborate plan uh, <laughs> do a lot of bad stuff once that's done. Um, but I would encourage them to look into the history of that, like the continuity of government program or COG or main core or any of that other stuff. And then uh, learn about that and then ask if you feel comfortable with no civilians having, having guns that the military and the police has. Yep. You know? Yep. 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 That's, oh. that, that's, that's how I feel about it. Um, though I, I do have to point out that uh, that view is not representative of Met Press. There were people at Met Press that support gun control. I am just not one of them. Respect. Uh, so I will just, you know, point out, point that out for, oh. for anyone watching that. Met Press that is not I'm, down I'm with it, and Met I respect Press's it. You well, don't Met, have Met, Met Press is cool with like different views, right? And I think that's awesome. But, you know, these are my views. Whitney. I just don't trust the government. I think, you know, the government is is the problem and a lot of the reasons these mass shootings um, happen. Um, but I had a recent article about um, mass shootings too, about, you know, this effort, you know, Trump's response is to try and, and find technological solutions to go beyond the gun, the gun law debate, right. To solve uh, mass shootings by basically making pre-crime. I don't know if you guys saw this, but after uh, the El Paso shooting and all of that, he said, we have to detect the mass shooters before they strike. And he called on, on social media companies, basically Silicon Valley, to, you know, to personality profile and all this other stuff. And now the crazy, the crazy thing uh, that they're that they're trying to ram through now. And actually, it's Ivanka Trump and assumably a presumably Kushner that are trying to push oh this through is this thing called Harpa they're trying to make, which is the health equivalent of DARPA. It's uh, led by a, a their lead scientific advisor is from DARPA, actually. Um, and they're they're going to be the Health uh, Advanced Research Project Agency. And basically what they want to do is use consumer electronic devices to spy on people and determine if that person shows neurobehavioral, uh, you know, symptoms that suggest that they may be violent or problematic at some point. Uh, I look at Jared Kushner. Like some dystopian ass yeah. shit uh, that people need to be talking about. Uh, um, and it's getting really swept under the rug here. This is, you know, this is the stuff they're trying to, um, you know, bust through saying it's beyond the gun debate. The other thing they're trying to do, too, is the same thing with the wall on the U.S.-Mexico border. They're not going to build the wall. They're going to build a surveillance wall, which they're already doing. They're do- doing it with Elbit Systems, Israel's largest weapons manufacturer, won the contract with a uh, border patrol to basically make a, a surveillance wall, which eliminates the need for a physical wall. So it, it'll be sold. It's going to be sold as a compromise on both sides, but basically it's going to be surveillance a hundred miles from the border, a hundred miles in all by uh, controlled by Elbit systems of America, which is a subsidiary of Israel's largest weapons manufacturer and the head guy, uh, the CEO of Elbit systems uh, used to serve under Ehud Barak. Ehud Barak, of course, tied into Jeffrey Epstein, former uh-huh. head of Israel, Israel's military intelligence, former prime minister of Israel. He was funding a company and is still chairman of a company called Carbine 911 that was also funded by Jeffrey Epstein and Peter Thiel of Palantir. And Carbine 911 is marketing itself as a solution to mass shootings, basically saying, uh, install our app on your smartphone and trying to get 911, all 911 call centers in the country to become a part of the system, where basically they will be able to extract any data they want from your phone, even if you don't have the app installed. You just have to call 911, and if 911 center or any number you call is connected to Carbine, Carbine gets your stuff, and, uh, you know, 
just talking about this consumer electronic surveillance being used to determine neurobehavioral symptoms of people, conspiracy theorists, domestic terrorists, all this stuff is happening at the same time. It's clearly all connected. And what's really nuts here, too, is that some of these mass shootings, like the one in El Paso, Bill Barr, two weeks before it happened, said, uh, was talking about, you know, the government needs a backdoor to encryption and talking about a lot of this dystopian technology stuff. And he was saying, any day now, there's going to be a galvanizing event that will rally public opinion around what I'm talking about, <laughs> which is like New, Pearl, New Pearl Harbor shit. You know what I mean? Before 9-11. And he said that right before the El Paso shooting, people that were there at the Walmart said they thought, saw three shooters yep. in black ski masks, all in black. And then the guy that's arrested is in cargo pants that uh, the picture of him He's, uh, that was shown as this grainy ass picture, even though there's like super fancy security cameras in Walmart and he's wearing cargo pants, but he's arrested 20 minutes later after the shooting, supposedly in different pants. Um, and, you know, no one's asking questions about that. And Bill Barr protected, uh, you know, predicted it. And then he gets, you know, uh, Trump offers the same solution that Bill Barr had been teasing just two weeks before and all this other shit is going on. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on with mass shootings. So I think we're going to be seeing more and they're going to use that to push the, these solutions that they're trying to vet out and see what, what the reaction is now and see if they can get people to ignore it and not freak out. Next time there's a big mass shooting like El Paso or something like that, they are going to ram, try and ram the shit through. And that is what people should be worrying about. Yeah, they should. And they're not. Because they're just too (laughs) busy worrying about the fucking woman's soccer team getting paid and all these other and who is the mass singer on mass singer on NBC and all this other stuff. And, and, you know, we always bring them up. Unabomber's right. These rich kids have hijacked these positions of influence and they're just pushing their mother's and their father's agendas because it will never affect them. It's amazing how people who live behind walls and have uh, 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 bodyguards want to take away your guns. And it's amazing how you t- bring up three different people, three black, three men in black. That was at the San Bernardino shooting, the Parkland shooting, the Ohio, the Orlando shooter. Every single one of these, there was a mention of three to four men in black army fatigue. Okay. Hey, you guys want to stop mass shooting? The FBI always knows about these guys. They are always told about these guys. They mm-hmm. always know, and they don't investigate. You got to create a problem, so we beg you to solve it for us. That's what's going on. The number of people killed in 2018 by mass shootings was about 375. 992 people were shot and killed by cops last year. And I do joke about, and if you compare that, almost a thousand people every year in the United States die from autoerotic asphyxiation. So, I mean, like, let's put all this into perspective, okay? They make it a big deal because they want you to think it's a big deal. And every life lost is horrible. But you got to ask yourself, why are they lost? What is the purpose? Why are they hitting specific places? Why are they going into churches and schools? How come nobody ever shoots up a, a clan rally? Right? How come never nobody walks into the DMV because, and goes uh, nuts? the FBI are all in the white supremacist movement as informants. 
It's like Probably. these are all specific <laughs> targets. Why are they hitting Texas so hard right now? Texas has open gun laws. And they tend to be country music, which is the biggest demographic for uh, pro-gun rights. Keep pounding these people until they're like, okay, take the guns. It's like it's working. Walmart just banned concealed weapons. You can't walk into Walmart with a gun, which in Texas well, you're allowed to walk. Well, if it's concealed, how are you going to know? It's, it doesn't matter. This guy, they found it on him, and now he's banned for life from Walmart, and they're not selling magazines anymore. Somehow I'll sleep if I get a life ban from Walmart. And by the way, the guy who walked in didn't have a concealed gun. Uh, his gun was, uh, you know, kicking the door, blazing the 4-4. Yep. Like, he walked in with it out. That's the guy I'm worried about. How about you ban walking in with a gun over a fucking concealed gun? <laughs> right. So you have this. I'm just yelling at Whitney. He's like, where am I right now? What show is this Mom, where the it, guy just does dick jokes? About no, but it, it, it's justified anger, dude. It, it, it's really sick to think about, um, you know, the, 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 the time and again, strategy these people use, the problem, reaction, solution. They create the problem. And they wait for your reaction, which is to beg them for the solution that they've planned the whole time. And oftentimes the problem they create involves the death of lots of innocent people. And uh, there's no way to justify that shit. Sorry. And, the, um, and it, the weirdest thing is nobody. I never, ever hear about anybody's funerals. I never hear about these guys funerals ever. I know people who said they all lost people in Vegas and they did. This is not saying that nobody died. I know people died. I was there when a guy got a call. The media doesn't actually care about the victims. They care about creating the reaction to justify the implementation of the solution. They don't actually care about uh, sympathy for the victims. I mean, look at 9-11, for example. It was all about the victims, but so many victims and uh, victims' families and first responders want a new investigation, right? But But the media smears them or ignores them. No. How do you smear So they don't them? actually care. You know what I mean? It, it, it's just about, you know, doing what they're told. That's the, the media is, 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 an, is basically an arm of the government, right? Right. Uh, at this point. And, and let's look into the fact. Let's go back to the Kavanaugh hearing where the Kavanaugh hearing is basically painted as a, uh, a trial of his sexual past done by a woman who's in charge of the CIA fucking training program at... Stanford, her father was in charge of black ops funding at the CIA. She's literally involved in CIA at Stanford. Stanford, where can they I, can, tra- I, can I add something about that? I'm really glad you Please. brought up her background about that because there is something that happened on the exact day that the Kavanaugh's nomination was dominating the news cycle that has to do with funding CIA black budget that didn't get talked about at all and hardly anyone still knows about it. Go for it. This is, this is really nuts stuff. So it's um, it was it was passed. Uh, I think it was October fourth, which is one of the days where this this nomination was going, and there was all this outrage about what's her name and and Kavanaugh, and that was basically all anyone was talking about. But what happened is that this obscure uh, government body called the Federal Accounting Standards Advisory Board passed this law, or, or uh, basically uh, legislated on its own this new policy. Uh, called Standard 56 for classified activities. And it allows it, it allows any government agency to have a um, to have a public uh, financial statement that is a lie and a private one that is true. And they don't have to tell the public 
uh, that the financial statement they have is a lie, basically allowing the CIA to take money from any government agency and not tell anyone. Remember that from 1997, uh, I think it was to 2015, including uh, announced on September 10th, 2001, right, all these missing trillions taken out and never accounted for. Those were previously, uh, they showed up in the public financial statements but were labeled unsupported adjustments. But people actually were able to know how much money was missing and going to the black budget and other things like that. Now, after this was enacted last October, no one knows how much money is missing anymore because all the public financial statements can be lies and they don't have to tell you if it's a lie or not. And so the fact that her you know, dad or whatever was involved in CIA black ops, why, what the fuck does that tell you? That whole thing was manufactured ever to cover up this policy change. And no one has covered that shit. And you know what, dude? And you know who's got to be pissed at hearing that? Hillary Clinton. Because you remember she got murdered for having a public policy and a private policy? And she's like, ah. Uh, and she's like, Abraham Lincoln was. <laughs> We're like, you're lying, bitch. You're lying. Now she's got to be like, and you hated me? And you hated me. We should hate her. But, I mean, it's just like, it's insanity. It's insanity. And it's like, there's no centralized way for people to get the information to to know what they're saying, like we got a guy out here trying to make it so the government can take the state of California can take your kid if you refuse to get him your kid vaccinated right out the gate or go to public schools. This guy got nineteen million dollars from big pharmaceutical to push this down wow. the throats, and he's pushing. I'm like, dude, I get if you're for vaccination, but the fact that you think it's okay for the government to take your kids. If you don't want your kids to get vaccinated right when they come into the world, pounded with about 50 different vax that their little immune system can't take. It's like, what are we talking about here? It's unbelievable. So I want to go back to um, Epstein and just like the history of his network. Do you know where, what's the earliest information you have? On Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, like, did he get picked last for kickball? I have no clue about <laughs> yeah, anything so, um, about this guy. Basically, I, I wrote this big series, right? And I, and I trace back sexual blackmail operations, a network of them anyway, that Ep- Epstein was a part of. And I trace that back to the 1930s. But if you, I can talk about that or I can talk about um, uh, Epstein specifically, like yeah. as, a, as a person um, and, and his history, whatever you, I don't know if you have a preference. Yeah, just uh, wherever you can start. I'm dying to know, why does it seem like this guy just came in, juiced out of the gills? Juiced out of the gills. Uh, He just seemed to be like the minute he graduated um, high school, he's got everything. Right. So basically, this type of operation, uh, sexual blackmail operation, where it comes from um, is actually the American organized crime, specifically the National Crime Syndicate, which was Mayor Lansky, the Jewish mob, and uh, and, and the Italian mafia of the Genovese crime family. It was sort of a union between those two. Those guys got, uh, formed a formal alliance with the Office of Strategic Services yes. in the early 40s uh, called Operation Underworld, which was part supposed to be out of wartime necessity, but they ended up sharing blackmail, and it was sexual blackmail because the uh, the organized crime syndicates, they they basically had this entrapment stuff that Epstein was later doing, right? Um, and and um, basically, we know about this because William Donovan, the OSS director, and J. Edgar Hoover were having this battle about who could get blackmail on the other one faster because J. Edgar Hoover wanted to prevent Donovan from 
uh, making the OSS permanent, uh, which became the CIA, right? So we know Hoover lost, and Hoover lost because Mayor Lansky had pictures of him uh, having having gay sex. Yeah, you remember? Because Hoover was a closeted <laughs> closeted gay. I mean, imagine so, that. Uh, like, fuck, like. 40 years ago, if you were doing trans stuff, it just destroyed your careers. Now we're like, dude, a four-year-old should have hormone therapy. And you're like, what has happened here? I mean, that was wrong. This is wrong. It's just all mental mind F. That's why people like, and there's people in the conspiracy community that pull this shit too. You're all like, oh, he's gay. That's gay. Dude, you're adding to the bullshit. You're allowing people to blackmail other people because you're forcing people to lie about who they are. As long as they're not hurting kids, what do you care what they do with consenting adults? Let them do their shit. Stop making it something you could blackmail something on. And you'll have less people giving in to dark forces. Let them get weird. Who cares? It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. And I got, I know you got a holy book that tells you what you want to believe. And this is no disrespect to anyone who reads a holy book. But most of these holy books were put out well after the fact that the guys they're writing about were alive. And they were written. And it's kind of weird because they all involve, like, if we have Mormonism to the big three, there's there's... Three of them have stories about how a guy, how an angel came down and talked to them. But it, what they said was so holy, they couldn't write it down. And that's where the story goes. So you got the, the, the Talmud, the Holy Bible, the Quran, and I'm, those are the big three. All written later on after the fact. And it's like, who wrote these books? And why do they all have similar, like, weird kind of stories about how they just popped up out of nowhere? Now, listen, if you're Muslim, you're Jewish, you're Christian, I'm cool with you, dude. I'm just saying facts. These are the facts behind these books. And you believe in if it means if it makes you treat people well, God bless you. Okay? But the facts are these books get introduced later, which changes the course of how the religion operates. And it's just, it's just weird. So now we got everybody, oh, if you lie with men, wow, that's in there. That's amazing that's in there. Probably written by Romans who are all fucking just barebacking <laughs> each other. And it's like, oh, so now you got something you could get mad at somebody else about. It's like everything's or, or strategic. Or blackmail them. Blackmail them for, yeah. So, so you that's got what they're all going the, for, yeah. So sex is the blackmail shit. And obviously we don't want anybody hurting children. This stuff is used. That's why I think YouTube always leaves up these creepy videos where old guys are commenting, oh, she's hot. It's like a, a young girl. You're like, what are you doing? They track you that way. That's why That's why YouTube is now fucking uh, giving warnings to firing kids when they talk sexually about, you know, just random guy stuff. But yet all these videos involving Spider-Man and Elsa can go on forever because they track who's talking. And they pick those people off. And they No, no they don't pick them up. They watch where they go. And if they can put them in a position of power, bam, they sit them up, and that's how they blackmail, mm-hmm. which is what this is all about. Right, that's that, that's pretty accurate summary there. But so anyway, to go back to the history really quick, um, basically what happened after that is that that alliance between organized crime and and the OSS that was supposed to end it continued anyway. And so what the CIA uh, ended up doing is making that alliance even tighter. They got in bed super deep. Um, especially in the late 40s, because this national crime syndicate, specifically Mayor Lansky, very involved in funneling arms to uh, Zionist paramilitaries prior to the founding of the state of Israel. 
And this is where we see a lot of the the influence within the Epstein network uh, connection to U.S. and Israel and this crime syndicate. So like the mega group has gotten some attention um, after after Epstein's arrest because it was it was co-founded by Leslie Wexner, who's basically one of the main clients of Epstein. Um, but if you look at people in the mega group, almost every single one of them uh, of the known members, at least when the this uh, report in, in the Wall Street Journal came out in 1998, uh, they almost all had direct ties to organized crime, specifically the Mayor Lansky syndicate. So, for example, the Bronfman's Charles and Edgar Bronfman, uh, they were uh, super tight. Uh, their father, Samuel Bronfman, worked with Mayor Lansky during Prohibition and was was super close uh, with them for, for decades. He was also involved in funneling arms illegally to the Haganah um, and some other paramilitary groups um, before Israel was founded, had, had a personal relationship with Shimon Peres, uh, people like that. Um, Leslie Wexner was outed as having organized crime ties to the Genovese crime family. Um, in a 1985 uh, uh, murder of his lawyer, Arthur Shapiro, there was a police report on that that was super suppressed. He can't organize crime, the same syndicate. Um, and, and there's a bunch of other people, too, like Michael Steinhardt, another big member of the mega group. His father was Mayor Lansky's jewel fence, and he served five years in Sing Sing prison. So, so that's kind of nuts. But anyway, um, so after this, this alliance continued with the CIA, the CIA set up a lot of sexual blackmail operations, oftentimes in, in, in collusion with these people. One of the main rings that I talk about in my um, in my series is one that was set up by another liquor baron uh, from Prohibition that was close to Mayor Lansky. who's this guy named Lois Rosensteel, and he was running a sexual blackmail operation involving underage boys with J. Edgar Hoover and Roy Cohn. Uh, Roy Cohn being uh, Donald Trump's mentor and uh, his lawyer, Donald Trump's lawyer, and a really powerful figure um, in New York uh, for much of the 70s and 80s, and also a big player in the Reagan administration. And we know, too, that during the Reagan administration, the Iran-Contra people, the CIA during that time, had a lot of connections to some of the rings that, that um, you know, pedophile rings that, that became publicly known, like the Franklin cover-up, for example, had yeah. connections to the Iran-Contra network. Oh. Uh, we know, for example, too, that the, the callboy ring, uh, the White House callboy ring led by Craig Spence, Craig Spence was a super close friend of Roy Cohn, hosted birthday parties for Roy Cohn at his house, came to have worked for the CIA, claimed to be super close to Bill Casey, um, and and was running a blackmail operation in a house that was bugged with two two way members and two way mirrors, sorry, and, and recording and audio equipment that is so similar to what Jeffrey Epstein uh, was doing in, in his different residences, right? So having said all of that, let me go into Jeffrey Epstein for a little bit, um, just so I can get get this all out there. Jeffrey Epstein's career, uh, by all appearances, you know, it, it, it's super weird how he has this sort of meteor meteoric rise to success. It starts off when he gets hired at the Dalton School. He has no college degree. He gets hired by uh, Donald Barr, who's the father of William Barr. Uh, Donald Barr used to work for the Office of Strategic Services that made this original alliance with the mob and, and shared blackmail. And all that stuff. A year before he hires Jeffrey Epstein, Donald Barr hires a bo- uh, writes a book, a sci-fi book called Space Relations. That's about sex slavery and and and, and human trafficking in space. So is is Epstein's that? We'll get to that too. Epstein is his parents juiced? Like he goes to Harvard? No, apparently not. Apparently they were just middle class, whatever. And he just got. I don't know. So there, maybe there was some power behind him. It, it's hard to know exactly. But, you know, from the from what, the info we do have, it, it all starts when he gets hired at the Dalton School. Um, they might they may have picked him out for some other sort of reason when he was in university. A lot of covert uh, recruitment 
you know, by intelligence a- uh, agencies happens while people are in university. He dropped out of university and then went to work at the Belton School. Yeah, so, something I, happened I mean, at something that school. Something could have happened there, but we don't know, right? Because it's not like the CIA or the Mossad or whoever recruited him is going to tell us, right? He had to be <laughs> so, doing anyway. something. He had to be doing um, something there, like sexually. He had to. He had to have been popped. He had to have been caught doing something that they're like. Either you can play ball with us, or you're 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 done. And I, that's the only ex- yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm so not- anyway, after he leaves the Dalton School, he gets hired at Bear Stearns, the super fancy you know investment bank in, on Wall Street. And he doesn't get hired by just some random random dude at Bear Stearns. He gets hired by the head of the bank himself. Alan Greenberg. Alan Greenberg is a member, was a member of B'nai B'rith, uh, which Roy Cohn's father used to run and where the ADL comes from and all this stuff and was super close to Roy Cohn also and, and Rupert Murdoch and, and people like that. Uh, worth pointing that out. And he allegedly hires Epstein because Epstein was so nice to his kids when he was at the Dalton School. So he's oh. like, you don't have any trading experience. You don't have any college degree, but boy, you were nice to my kids. So let me, you know put you in charge of trading millions of dollars for my fancy clients. That makes a lot of sense, right? <laughs> so anyway, uh, he becomes a partner in the firm super quickly. Yeah. And he, yeah. he, he leaves under this, this cloud of suspicion. And um, from all, the, what the most likely reason is that the day after he, uh, he left, well, the day before he resigned from Bear Stearns, the, the Security and Exchanges Commission opened an investigation into insider tradings at Bear Stearns. And it was insider tradings about Seagram's, which is the Bronfman family company. And apparently Edgar Bronfman of the mega group, remember the mega group, right, um, had given inside info to someone at Bear Stearns and, and the government, you know, the SEC caught on about insider trading and was investigating. And then as soon as they opened that, that investigation, Epstein uh, resigns. So that seems to and, and the reason for his uh, that he gave for his resignation doesn't make any sense because um, he he had he was a partner. He had like all this money and he would have the, the violation he claimed that he had made and had he left over was like a, a two thousand dollar fine, which to a partner in Bear Stearns is like nothing. You it's know, so it doesn't paper. make any sense. Yeah, it's so weird, man. Yeah. Well, here, here, here's where it gets really fucking nuts. Okay. So after <laughs> now that, get nuts. Uh, he leaves. Yeah. A- after he leaves Bear Stearns, people are like, uh, you know, oh, he his history gets really murky, and he claims he tells people in the '80s that he's a financial bounty hunter, whatever that means, and he basically says that means he hides, uh, hides money and finds money for powerful people, including government. One of his only known clients during this time is Adnan Khashoggi. Uh, he, uh, Epstein leaves Bear Stearns in 1981. By 1981, Ashogi has been on the payroll of the Mossad for several years, and he's a CIA asset as well, involved in the first arms deals that later become known as Iran-Contra. Oh, my. Why would, uh, why would uh, he need someone like Epstein to move money for him? What we know about Khashoggi during that time is that Khashoggi was considered the banker of the arms dealers involved in Iran-Contra. He was money, uh, moving money through BCCI, the Bank of Credit and Commerce International, which is the CIA-linked bank that funded uh, al-Qaeda, um, was involved in narco fi- uh, narco-trafficking, child trafficking, also uh, basically gave a bunch of, like, pre- sold a bunch of prepubescent girls to the people uh, ruling the United Arab Emirates and all this other shit. Um 
So it would make sense that Epstein uh, was involved to it to some extent with BCCI during that time. He was also, we know, uh, that Epstein had connections by night by the by uh, the mid '80s to a bunch of other arms dealers, including in Europe. Um, so like this one guy, Douglas Lees, who's a, an arms dealer for the United Kingdom, uh, was known to be a close associate of Jeffrey Epstein's uh, during this time period as well. And he worked with Khashoggi in arms deals involving the UK and Saudi Arabia. So it looks like uh, Epstein during this time was really involved in, in CIA or intelligence links arm trafficking. It could be CIA or Mossad because Khashoggi was on the, on the payroll of both, uh, working for both. So after that, in 1985, he starts his relationship with Leslie Wexner, which is where things continue to get crazy. In 1995, uh, Leslie Wexner's attorney, this guy named Arthur Shapiro, uh, was due to testify at a grand jury uh, for the IRS about tax evasion and offshore tax havens. He gets shot in the face in broad daylight. And, And they're investigating what was going on. Uh, and the police report was super suppressed, and, and it said it was a mob-style murder. And that police report, which didn't come out until like over a decade after the murder, um, said that uh, basically that Leslie Wexner uh, had him set up to die <laughs> uh, because he was going to reveal all this stuff about um, you know the limited's finances and Elbrand's finances. And as soon as Arthur Shapiro's uh, murdered. Leslie Wexner meets up with Jeffrey Epstein, who officially, you know, this is from mainstream media reports, begins to fix Wexner's angled finances. And we know that Epstein was involved in offshore tax havens, uh, money laundering, all this stuff. I had um, Catherine Austin Fitz, who used to work at the uh, Department of Housing and Urban Development. She was told by an ex-CIA employee that Leslie Wexner is one of the top five money launderers for organized crime in the United States. So uh, Epstein has definitely continued his involvement in the world of shadow finance. Uh, skipping ahead, um, we know that by 19, uh, in 1995, Epstein and Wexner were already super close. Epstein had power of attorney uh, for Wexner, and they negotiated the relocation of Southern Air Transport to Columbus, Ohio. Southern Air Transport was the airline that did Iran-Contra, basically. It was the CIA front that, that did... Uh, drugs and, and arms trafficking and also move the paramilitary people from Central America wow. to Mena, Arkansas. Wow. It's not yeah. many conspiracies. It's one big conspiracy with yeah. every with so many tentacles. You know, now you now we start seeing where like, okay, now we know where the Clins come involved with Epstein. It's unbelievable. Totally. Yeah, dude, the Clintons were involved with Iran-Contra and BCCI. Hillary Clinton represented uh, Jackson Stevens' uh, bid to bring BCCI to the United States. That was Rose Law Firm, Hillary Clinton. They were also involved. Her law firm was also involved with the uh, the Promise Software, which gave Israeli intelligence a black to intelligence agencies all over the world, including the United States. That was done by the same Iran-Contra group of people in collusion with Israeli uh, military intelligence, the same guy that handled Jonathan Pollard was responsible for that. So, so that's nuts, but I'm, you know, I'm just getting into the, the Epstein Wexner relationship. There's so much more crazy shit here because in 1995, also when they negotiated the Southern air transport thing, the Ohio's inspector general uh, thought that they were working with the CIA or for some other intelligence agency smuggling stuff from Hong Kong to Columbus. That was the CIA fronts airlines wrote a route that was established. And that same year is when Epstein begins to, to live in this penthouse in New York that Wexner gave to him for free. And Wexner bought this place in 1989 for $13.2 million 
He never lived in it, but he spent millions of dollars furnishing it, and he filled it with spy equipment, and the command center of that was hidden in a, in a, in a bathroom under the stairs that was lined with lead, so no electronics signals, you know, could either come in or come out, and it had, you'd open the cabinets, and there'd be, like, these screens to record stuff, and this is what Wexner gives to Epstein, and, and Epstein just begins to live in it. He... Epstein was clearly like set up with everything he ever had by, by Wexner, who, who was connected to Southern Air Transport, a CIA front company, organized crime. Uh, he's connected to uh, in, in the state of Israel. And what we see time and again, no matter what angle you're looking at, really, with the Epstein network, is you're seeing all three of these things come together. Organized crime, Israeli intelligence, U.S. intelligence. Yeah, and you know, that sounds is, exactly uh, like the JFK assassination. He died. The octopus. Uh, you know, that they got Casalero killed. Uh, this was it. dude. It was organized crime, Israeli intelligence, U.S. intelligence. Wow. So he was like a spy? Yeah. Yeah, well, sexual blackmail, you know, yeah. he was he was doing that to blackmail people to keep the agenda of this, you know, trifecta of, of you know, you know, these horrible people, you know, going forward. I could listen to this you, all you, day. <laughs> I love this, man. Because it's all interwoven, bro. And it all goes yeah. back to the same place. This, this is the same people involved in 9-11, too. Yeah. Uh, it's worth pointing out there's a lot of overlap between the people in, involved with Epstein and 9-11. So one example, uh, Ronald Lauder is a member of the mega group. He was super uh, close friend of Roy Cohn. He got Epstein set up with his fake Austrian passport with the Saudi residence address in 1987 when Ronald Lauder was U.S. ambassador to Austria. And he's the guy that got the World Trade Center privatized. They couldn't have done those attacks if it had not been privatized. He's also a friend of uh, Ronald Lauder's friends with Larry Silverstein. Oh, that I told I was telling my buddy, I was like, I mean, I want to fight Larry Silverstein. Like I will. I would like go one on two. That's a bad man. (laughs) Dude, he's when you watch him try to explain how he had to go to the skin doctor and like and then the appointment was canceled. And how Noah, he didn't lose anyone important that day, just new hires. And that, oh, we've already lost so many good people. Pull it down. Talking about uh, Building 7. Yeah. I mean, like, dude, it's like, how much money is enough money? Like, you're already... He got $7 billion, didn't he? From, like, insurance yeah, stuff insurance on, on, on the towers or something? Yeah. It's unbelievable. So, so imagine a guy like Larry Silverstein, just him, not not his friends and other stuff. A guy has so much money. Imagine what he can do with that money. You know what I mean? We are dealing with a very small group of people, but they have a ton of money. They have ties to intelligence. They're criminals. I mean, this is this is the outgrowth of of organized crime in prohibition that got in bed with intelligence agencies, so they got state protection. This is your government. You know, the more right. you start thinking about it, the more and more law is just to protect the best interests of the uh, uh, the, elite. the elites. It really is law. That is what law is. Law. There is no. Uh, there's no law and order. There's no what is best for the. It is make sure the rich stay rich. Make sure the poor stay away from the the rich, and uh, that's kind of it. And uh, anything else really doesn't fucking matter. It just really doesn't matter. And it's kind of crazy. It's like rapid pedophilia everywhere. And just like 
people in this town in, in this country get told get upset if somebody suggests that no one died in Sandy Hook, but laugh off the suggestion that kids get killed uh, in Pizzagate, Pedogate. And it's it's very it's very, and even though people have been convicted in uh, uh, the umbrella of Pedogate, the many connections of Pedogate. And nothing's really happened with Sandy Hook. And I'm not, I'm not sitting here telling you that nobody died. That's not my thing. But I, I'm talking about the mental gymnastics you have to do to to think one is a complete bogus and then just laugh at the these kids are precious. These kids are fucking disposable. And it happens all the time. And I just feel that like, I don't know, man. Do you think these false flags happen because we have the power or do we have nothing and we're just fodder? I really do believe the power still rests with us. And no matter what they pass, the power will always rest with us. And it's just like, do we just become sheep to slaughter or do we wake up and be like, I mean, like start blocking people on Twitter, dude, that are just putting out crap. Start blocking because... What well, I know Twitter and all the social media companies just met with the intelligence community like last week to talk about what to do about disinformation campaigns ahead of 2020. That to me says we are going to silence the fuck out of people that say something we don't like yeah. uh, ahead of 2020. So there's going to be another crazy censorship wave. I think it's really imperative that like uh, people in independent media or alternative media decide on a new platform to go to. Yeah, I don't so, know why we, we can't do it. And we're all going to be scattered between all these other small platforms. Choose one, dude. So we can all be there and, and know the backup plan, you know, because otherwise they're, they're just going to shut it down. It's just nobody's watching television. Nobody's watching TV. The numbers are just ridiculous. The, the, uh, the, the, the corporate cable news networks, they have no viewership. They count, they count airports televisions in their numbers so nobody's no, watching they still think they tell you know the american public what to think they still think they have that control they really hate the fact that independent media have have taken that some of that power away from them and that's what we're seeing a lot of initiatives uh in collusion between silicon valley and mainstream media trying to shut down independent media um and we're seeing you know groups like the adl the anti-defamation league telling working with Silicon Valley to say who is hate speech and who isn't, even though the ADL is pretty much openly uh, a lobbying group for for Israel's government, which is um, just insane that they're involved in this because they're so partisan. I mean, actually there was, there was a report um, not, not that long ago where the the head of Israel's like a a ministry of strategic affairs said the ADL agrees with, with, with us about everything. That should be a red flag that they're involved in censorship on Silicon Valley and on YouTube, you know, deciding who, who gets a platform and who doesn't. Is this happening all over the world? Uh, is this uh, just well, a U.S. thing? Uh, is there any pushback? I can speak to my experience here in South America, uh, but the media is way more controlled here. You look on it, there, there's not a lot of independent media. It's pretty much like state TV and CNN, CNN Chile, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. They don't have a lot of independent stuff. Some people will look at stuff on, on Facebook, but the censorship is pretty, pretty extensive um, in, in other languages, too, um, because Facebook, a lot of people still use Facebook. Uh, you know, their their censorship is nuts. honestly. Is I the, haven't been able to even link to Mint Press from my author page uh, since April. So, so. Is, is the war between... Is, and that sucks, man. That's that's. <sighs> well, I don't really care. I mean, fuck Facebook. 
I don't like using it anyway. Yeah, I don't either. Dude. <laughs> so it's okay. I, whatever. Well, I just like to drop a couple bombs and watch all my dumb friends go nuts. <laughs> that really gets me off. <laughs> They're like, be nice. I'm like, no, you're stupid. You need to know it. You're stupid. If you if you don't realize that, like, there's celebrations of when we're quote unquote wrong, right? And they celebrate that. It literally makes me laugh. It makes me laugh. I go, you know, us being wrong is not good for you too, right? Not just us. We're kind of trying to push against the the over uh, the overlapping power, the all seeing eye. And you're celebrating your oppressors winning. It's Malcolm X's fucking saying. It's like, you know, the, the mainstream media, they'll have you like hating the, the oppressed and celebrating the oppressors. That was obviously paraphrased, but it's like, you know, it's just the truth. It's just the truth. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's totally true. Well, you know, I think also too, um, these companies manipulate what we think anyway, just using social media. Like a lot of people's follower counts are fake, like big people, uh, in mainstream media that you think, oh, millions of people follow them. You know, you can buy followers if you have the money, you know, yeah. and a lot of people have sock puppet accounts. I mean, there can be just some one troll somewhere uh, who, who's getting paid by some government and he can have five or six accounts and, and, and just, you know, seem like all these different people uh, attacking you. You know, it's, it's just a war on perception. I mean, oh. that's what this is about. That's what false flags are, too. It's a war on perception. Yeah. They want people's consent to put all this stuff through. That's why false flags still happen, uh, because people, they're, they're trying to manufacture consent for all this stuff, and they don't want any pushback. Which implies, you know, like like you were saying, that they that they are scared of the people at least a little bit, or scared of people wake, waking up. But the window opportunity to wake up is is not, you know, it's not there forever. You know what I mean? It's a it's a window of opportunity. It's not it's not constantly present. There's going to be some point where they try and implement this shit like Harpa that I was talking about earlier. DARPA, uh, Harpa is going to be an outgrowth of DARPA. DARPA, uh, their approach to mental health is brain implants and nasal sprays that can read and write memories onto the brain. What? That sounds like science fiction, but it's real. Look it up. It's it's the N3 program of DARPA. They have another program called Subnets that's specifically about treating psychiatric disorders. Um, but they're going to roll all this into this HARPA thing that Ivanka Trump is, is, is the most effective champion of right now, according to the guy trying to push it. The guy trying to push it is the former head of NBC Universal, former head of, of General Electric, uh, and he and General Electric is a is a partner of DARPA's uh, brain interface program. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. So are, are we going to wait for them to you know? And they say they're this you know this crap is going to be ready in two years. Are we really going to wait for them to like have all this shit go live and then be like yeah yeah you know maybe now we should complain and and stop paying taxes? What people need to do is like. No, I don't really have faith in, in people in the States, uh, like getting out on the street and saying neither. we're angry because people are lazy. So, you know, the solution is not to pay taxes, just less. Yeah, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's and the maybe thing. you'll get some sort of uh, impact then. It's going to take uh, everything being gone. That's what it's going to take. That that we're going to have to get like Brazil, whether you're either super rich or poor. And I don't even know if then anybody will do anything. I think people just accept where they are and they fall for this, this pro wrestling (laughs) shit. And it's like, for me, dude, it's like, do I think I'm going to change anything with the show? I don't know. I don't, I I just like to learn about like, listen to you tell me all this stuff. Like I enjoy hearing about it. Do I think it's (laughs) going to change anybody? I don't know. I tell people, question everybody, get out of the two party system. Stop thinking these guys are going to save you. Question everything. You know, when, when one of them does something good, 
Let them know so maybe they feel good about it and keep going. I don't know. They're probably all dead in the inside lizard people. You know, my question to you <laughs> is, uh, is Israel a, a, a state of the United States or are we just Israel's like, is it master blaster where like uh, he's Israel's a super smart one and we're just the giant retarded ogre who just Hulk smash everything. And and second part of that is, is the war between the U.S. and China real? Because it seems like our elites and their elites all work with the same people. Well, uh, can I answer the second part first? I think it's really interesting that, you know, there's this war, China and the U.S., whatever, trade war, whatever. But you have like Israel, for example, uh, being super close to the U.S. administration. They're also super close to China. And they're also close to Russia. So like all the adversaries of the U.S. share this one common ally. Right. I think that's kind of weird. And people don't really pay enough attention to that. Because, you know, there's all this stuff about the U.S., about uh, Huawei, you know, the Chinese uh, electronics company. But Israel gives a bunch of their electronics stuff that they give to the U.S. They, they sell it to, to China and no one in the U.S. administration complains. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Does it? So there's no there's no war, but there's no <laughs> difference between or there's no problems between Russia and and Israel, because I always felt like, you know, you always hear Putin. Well, there, are, there are in Syria, you know what I mean? But there, there's definitely a lot more. Um, the, the, there's definitely a, they're, they're a lot closer than, than, than they might seem, you know, like like Putin definitely has a, a good relationship with Netanyahu. Netanyahu bragged about it, uh, you know, so it, it, I, I think, you know, there definitely are real challenges uh, in, in, in issues of friction, specifically in Syria. Right. Um, you know, that, that, that create tension. Uh, but I honestly think, you know, and just in my opinion, um, that, you know, there, there is a, a global power elite and they have their people and pretty much every government all over the world. And they, they just play off each other. Um, I don't really see that much different a lot of times in any, in any government. All, I think personally that, that all governments are pretty authoritarian, um, and, and despotic, and they, they tend to, you know, favor the dominance of, of their government over, over the people. But, you know, I'm a, <laughs> I, I'm really anti-statist, I guess. <laughs> you know, that may, that may bias me. What I think about um, Israel, though, in terms of the, the relationship, I think the same global power elite knows because of, of the narrative that's been created about Israel um, is that Israel can get a lot away with a lot of stuff that any other government could not do specifically because of the weaponization, the weaponization of anti-Semitism, things like that. They serve a lot of the same interests. Remember that a lot of um, uh, Israeli political donors don't live in Israel. They're not Israeli. They're, they're either from the U.S. or they're Russian uh, or they're from, they're from other countries. So there's a lot of influence. Uh, in Israeli politics and on what Israel does that also comes from abroad. I think, you know, obviously the U.S. acts against its own interests a lot uh, to benefit Israel. I think that's um, that's pretty clear. But I think who's in control of Israel, I don't think it's as simple as this nation controlling this nation. I think it's a lot more nuanced than that, because when you get up to the I halls of power, I mean, there's this, ol- there's this ol- oligarchy class. They don't see nation states. They don't see these divisions that, that we see. You know, that sort of stuff is just a show for us. They're all part of the same club and they're just trying to figure out how to fuck the rest of us over. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty much how I see it. And, and when it comes to Israel, right, you know, Israel can do all this other stuff and get away with stuff because they have, you know, they, they've weaponized this anti-Semitism thing. If you criticize them, you're, you're a racist or, you know, they're really good at killing the argument when criticizing their state. That allows them to get away with actions that any other state could not get away with because they don't have that, that, that card they to prevent criticism of a political entity 
we're talking about political entity, not ethnic, not religious, right? This, this is a state. Let me ask you something. Is BDS, BDS, the BDS movement at all working? Is Israel's, is it Israel feeling it? Yeah, I think it? Israel's really scared of it. I think Israel's really frightened of it, actually. Uh, in, 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 it has had some successes. For example, in Chile, Chile has the largest population of Palestinians outside of the Middle East. Um, and uh, they've had cities uh, openly uh, pass laws unanimously to boycott Israel. And they had to get uh, the, the Chilean federal government to stop the local action of BDS, basically make it illegal for cities to boycott Israel. So now it has to be a federal decision. Um, and there's actually um, a push in the legislature of Chile uh, to have BDS pass the national level. Um, but I think, honestly, um, Israel is, is scared is scared of BDS because it it, it, it unweaves a lot of the, the narratives that have been spun about Israel and the, the reality of the conflict there for a long time. And that's what they don't want people uh, to start questioning. I, uh, I, I think, think. Uh, anti-Semitism is going to die. Yahoo being like, I'm going to annex all of Palestine. You know, um, I, I, they want to shut down debate about that. I think uh, I think and the boy who cried wolf anti-Semitism, we are starting to see the death of that in terms of people being scared and how how there's this kind of push going. I don't hate Jews. I like Jews. I have a problem with the government. I don't even I don't even listen. I think Israel is like the American people. You meet the you meet Israelis. They're wonderful people. The, the size of yeah, Israel. I, I've met a lot of them when I lived in Peru and I worked in this hostel. There were all these kids that had just finished the IDF and came there. And a lot of them were really nice. What I think, honestly, is that there is there are a lot of really troubling cultural trends in Israel. But that's cultural engineering. And that same stuff happens in the yes. U.S. too. If it's, you look at yes. who's been in charge of Israel's Ministry of Education for the last like 30 years, they've all been super uh, far right racist people. I, the last uh, Minister of Education of Ali Bennett was like, I love killing Arabs. I've killed so many. It's so great. Yeah. You, know, you have that guy in charge of the education system, people like that in charge for 30 years. Yeah, you're going to have generations uh, of Israelis that don't like Arabs. Uh, that shouldn't surprise anyone, but that's cultural engineering. That's, you know, that same stuff happens in countries all over the world. And what we see is that, you know, we have ISIS, which we know we formed, paid, when Brimmer fired right. everybody in the Iraqi government. That was done purposefully. So when they had no jobs, we would sweep in fund these people create this army that this military this group these terrorists that are only in our enemies countries they're not in any of our allies countries what's that about okay so why would why would um why would uh hamas be any different why would hamas be any different why would hamas oh rocket launch got thrown in wow the people can't control their own electric can't control their own water Got, they completely are controlled on where they go. You're telling me somehow they snuck in a, a rocket and they launched it into the people that are just annihilating them. I mean, it's like, and listen, dude, my old opinion is kind of what you're saying. The average Israeli is like the average American. They're just bombarded with propaganda, convincing them that this group of people and, and just wants to kill them. it's been since 1948. Israel, yep. since it was founded, has been in a, a state of national emergency. We've had that since 9-11, and that's been, what, 18 years? Imagine yeah. being living like that for 70 years. Fuck. That's people what's happened. Live, man. Also, let's point out, too, that the, the most powerful force in, in Israeli politics today, Likud, 
right? Um, that comes from a Minikin Began's Heirut party. Minikin Began in 1948 was going to visit the United States. Albert Einstein and a bunch of Jewish intellectuals in the United States said, don't let him come to America. He is a terrorist and a fascist. He is like a Nazi. That's what they said. That's what Albert Einstein said about Minikin Began. Oh. And, and Einstein was supported a state of Israel. And he was saying, don't let this guy come here. He's dangerous. He's like the people we just defeated. You know, in, in World War Two, basically, is what he was saying. Uh, and now that's the party that controls Israel. And they're considered center right in Israel today. In 1948, they were far extremist right. They're center right today. Yeah. And the extreme right in Israel is the Jewish power party. Uh, and those guys are nuts. Uh, and they have a lot of they have a lot more pull than people are letting on. They're set to win like at least four seats in Israel's Knesset. Uh, there's no left in Israel anymore. It's like a fight between yeah. uh, Likud, who comes from Minikin Began and Irgun and these terrorist groups from from pre-1948 and, and people that are followers of Mayor Kahane, who was basically like murder all Palestinians. That That's like the spectrum uh, going on right now. And the fact that talking about that is, is anti-Semitic today is, is nuts. Now, according to the new anti-Semitism definition, you can't compare an Israeli politician a Nazi, but as I just mentioned, Albert Einstein did that Dominican vegan in 1948. So by that definition, Albert Einstein was an anti-Semite. And listen, the reason <laughs> you know they I mean? love the reason they love this extremist is because, in my opinion, I, I've said this in the last three episodes, and people are getting tired of hearing it, I'm sure. But Israel is not a religious thing. It is a it is a land bridge that allows Asia and Africa to get their goods to Europe. So the more crazy everyone is religiously and fighting blindly and pure hatred for the other person, the better it is to control this fucking land bridge. Why, if it's a religious situation, why did, why did Israel give China the biggest port in Israel? Why? Because this is business and you get these people to fight blindly for you. Jew, Palestinian, Muslim, Christian, they're all good people, but they get weaponized into wanting totally. to fight blindly. This is about weaponizing regular people. Totally. I mean, I mean, you know, even these um, these these um, uh, elites like at the highest level, they have no problems killing their own people. I mean, think about all the, the, the neocons who were American citizens who were okay with killing 3,000 plus Americans in, in buildings uh, on 9-11. They sleep at night. They don't have any problems with what they did, you know, and, and a lot of these people don't, they don't see us as, as, you know, people. We're just like, you know, we're cattle fodder for, for their, you know, yeah, like cattle for their, uh, their big plans that they have. They want to make a, a, a permanent underclass and they want to have them on top and they live in a completely different world than the rest of us do. Yep. And they want to use and abuse our children, our women, our, or they want to use us for fodder. And, you know, farmers don't want the cattle unionizing. That's what I think. Um, Whitney, yeah. <laughs> you're a crusher. Uh, this was a great episode. Uh, you are uh, a giant, um, uh, you're a wealth of knowledge. And I, I, I'm so thankful that we made time for you to get on. Can you tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, well, I'm still currently on Twitter. That's nice. So you can follow me there, um, uh, underscore Whitney Webb. I also have, um, just in case, I have a, a username on Gab, which is Whitney Webb. And I have one on BitTubers, which is this new YouTube thing, uh, YouTube Twitter combo. Uh, that seems pretty cool. Um, you can find me on there as well. Um, all my writing right now is at mintpressnews.com. So you have to go there uh, to find it. You can sign up for a newsletter. 
uh, in case I get kicked off of social media and then all my articles will arrive right to your inbox. Bam! That's how we do it. That's how we do it. Uh, She is a uh, lady and a scholar, and we're very uh, thankful you came on. Please, let's do it again soon. Uh, If I didn't yell at you too much, uh, I hope you come back. And uh, we'll do it. Be safe. More people should be yelling. More people should be yelling. More people should be yelling. (laughs) What was the line you used? What are they doing? Mental manipulation? You said a great phrase. What was the word, the phrase you used for mental control, mental... Fuck, I wish I'll go back and listen to it. Uh, You are Uh, wonderful. We'll do it again soon. Sorry, uh, I'm blanking here. That's all right. Take care. Enjoy your time at Chili's. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're probably the lunch rush right now, Thanks. so be smart. Be work hard. Treat your whole section like one big table, and that's how you do waiting. <laughs> I appreciate you, and we'll see you soon. She's Whitney Webb. We'll see you in San Francisco, everybody. Take Subscribe. care. Subscribe. See you tonight.